You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off. The Houndsman XP Podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsmen of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsmen. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made-in-America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Shoot up here! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week do you spend out there? As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get, I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> Have you ever had the desire to be at the top of your game? Have you ever wondered what it's like to have a coon hound that is special and also one that leads the historical reproducers list? Have you ever considered the hours it takes to train a hound like this and then to campaign that hound and then win with the hound 
and then convince people to bring their good females to you to breed to your stud dog. And then the dog has to produce winners, not to mention that it is very helpful if you're a likable person, if you're a good dude. And that's exactly what we get when we talk to Micah Ayers. And we tell the story about Batman, a black and tan coonhound that leads the historical reproducers list. You're going to hear all the stats in this podcast. But the main thing that impressed me the most was how genuine Micah was. And seriously, folks, he is a legitimate good dude. And visiting with him and sitting down and talking to him and capturing this conversation was an absolute pleasure for me. And it's my privilege to share this story with you on the Houndsman XP podcast. This one's a dandy, folks. The old South Dog Box is rocking. Let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. Briar Creek Kennels is your complete hound hunting outfitter. Boots, lights, collars, and tracking equipment. Dog boxes, kennel supplies, collars, clothes, squalors. Whew, they have it all. Briar Creek Kennel is a garment and dog tree dealer. Owner Chris Girth will ensure Briar Creek Kennel customers will get top of the industry customer service. Whether you purchase from their website or you find them at a major coonhound event, Chris and his staff will share expert knowledge and experience about every product they offer. Chris Girth is a top competitor and breeder of hounds. He knows what gear you need to be successful. Look for Briar Creek Kennels on the web for a complete online store or look at their fully stocked trailer at any major coonhound event. Briar Creek Kennels, offering a hound hunting public generations of excellence. My dad, um, he had built it back when I was probably about three or four year old. So I'm fixing to be 35 this year. So it's been up here for probably about 30 years now. Yeah. How many acres you got here? Uh, I don't know now. You don't know? No, because where he bought the sections, you know, along with it, I would say it's close to, uh, I'd say it's probably getting close to 60 because I think yeah. it was in 15, 15 acre strips. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know how many strips he's got now. So when your great-grandfather owned it all, was the original house here and stuff? No. no he just he, owned the property. He, he just, just owned, owned the land. Pro- yeah. He owned land kindly in spots across the county. Yeah. And then um, actually at the end of this gravel road that we come in on, I can take you by it. There's a pink house. And it's kind of a landmark of this place. It's just a little big old pink house. Yeah. Um, he was... He lived there at one point in time, mm-hmm. and then he lived in another little white house on around the hill that he eventually moved to later on in life. And then my granny and grandpa, they they lived there for a little while when they got married. So, and it's kind of been the family for a long time up until just here recently. And how my grandfather done that part is he split it up into heirs, mm-hmm. each in, each individual person. Like, I even had a share of it. it. It just went down through the line. Yeah. And um, it was kind of a, a mess, to, <laughs> you know, after it, it went on through time. But It yeah. looked good on paper. It was yeah. a good idea when he started. Yeah, but it, it's ended up being a little bit of a mess now. But The intentions were good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
So how long has your family been in Kentucky? Have you ever traced it back? Uh, now, my dad is from Stinking Creek, Tennessee. Okay. And that's where all his family originated from. Mm -hmm. Now, my mother and all of her family, yeah, we've been here for a long time. She goes back into the Binghams, and this county is is probably, I'd say, 30% Binghams. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's just a, it's a big family name here. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're here to talk about black and tan coonhounds. I want to talk to you about uh, – we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff, Micah. Uh, but uh, I appreciate you sitting down to talk to me. Well, yeah. I, uh, I, I admitted we're, we're going to, we're going to run a different podcast here on Monday, uh, with Jeff Woods. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think I admitted in that podcast that, that I am, I've been around black and tan coon hounds for, since I was 13 years old, but I've never been a student of black and tan coon hounds. And, uh, I don't know when was it when probably, early 2000s uh i started seeing this dog named batman popping up mm -hmm. when was he alive uh he was born in 2008 okay so it was later yeah later in the 2000s okay yeah and he's still alive to this day is he really yeah yeah well, i thought he had to be deceased to be on the historical list no -uh. no it's just uh i'm showing my ignorance even more about historical lists um, well, when you get to a certain percentage, uh -huh. and then like number of percentage is like the current. That's how they rank the current, and then yeah, and then once they get on the historical list, I think he's been on the historical list since he's been about eight year old. But it's a number of pups, how many pups he's had titled. Yeah, that's how you get on the historical list. And he's number one. Mm -hmm. And what do you have? Sixty three. Uh, 63 no, title dogs? No, he's got 90, 94, 95 now. He's got 63 grands, I think. I think Probably, yeah. Champions. I just looked it up. I was doing some homework. Yeah, so, nope, he's got 62 night champions. He's got 33 grands mm -hmm. for a total of 95 out of 570, 587 pups. 800 and some pups. Well, the 500 is probably permanently one, registered. Yeah, permanently registered. Yeah. That's still impressive. That's still impressive. So I started seeing this name, and I was actually thinking, I think I told Jeff this on our podcast, but it's not that I've ever had it. It's the only breed of hound that I haven't mm -hmm. owned or haven't hunted. Yeah. Started out with English dogs and, and hunted red bones. I've hunted mountain curs. Of all things, you know, I've I've been uh, bear hunting with plots for a few years now, and coon hunting with plots and blue ticks and the whole nine yards. It's I never considered myself a breeder, and I always like sitting down with these guys that have stuck with it for a long time. But when I started seeing Batman popping up, I actually started looking around. I was like, okay, what's what's this dog? You know, mm -hmm. Kentucky River Batman. I kept seeing it, kept seeing it, kept seeing it. I watched what you guys were doing. I was watching what you were winning. I was watching what you guys were reproducing out of Batman. Every time a post popped up on the UKC, you know, who would you recommend for a, a black and tan stud dog? Batman, Batman, Batman. Besides a cool name, I mean, that's mm -hmm. marketing genius all on its own. <laughs> well, that was my nephew that named him. Is my, that right? Yeah, my brother didn't uh, at the time. 
we bought Batman. We was hunting. Me and my brother both was hunting pups off his mother, Chigger. Mm-hmm. Yep. With for Tony Grubb, and um, ended up Batman. Um, he, Tony would give us pups and give us pups, but he wouldn't give us one of these pups when they was born. Yeah. He told my brother if he wanted one, he'd take. I think it was five hundred bucks. He said, uh, "I am." He said, "If you're gonna get one of these, you're gonna have to buy it." And Shane said, "Okay." Well, time come for him to come down there and go get it. Shane wouldn't ever go get it. And it ended up Batman was the run the lender and the <laughs> one that nobody wanted. And I told Shane, I think there's another guy, I think Nathan, he still hadn't got his yet. And I told Shane, I said, if you want one of these pups, you better come down here and get it if you don't want the run. Yeah. And he was like, well, won't you just bring one of these home? I said, no, I want you to come down here and look at them and, and pick which one you want and take it home. Right. Well, ended up, he got the runt and brought him to the house. And my nephew at the time, I think he was four, maybe five, something yeah. like that. And he was really big in Batman at the time. Right. And Shane was trying to get him to name him something. And he said, Batman. That's what we'll name him. And yeah. Shane was tore all two pieces. He did not want to name that dog Batman. <laughs> and I loved it. I was like, no, that's that's a pretty good name. Yeah. He's like, I'm not naming this dog Batman. And uh that's how that come about. So tell me about tell me about what, what Batman's out of. Let's let's go down a, a little history lesson on some black and tan bloodlines because I, I need it. <laughs> and probably some of our audience does too. But uh he was out of a Kentucky River chigger, yeah. chigger, and then what was the sire? Uh, Crockett's Black Newt, owned by Mike Crockett. Yeah. So tell me about tell me about the Newt side first. I never did get to hunt with Newt. Um, Newt is probably, I mean, for as many pups as he had, and you can see on there, I think he had 188 pups, and he's on the historical list. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just a freak of nature when it comes to reproducing i mean he, he sired black hawk um blackout um they was I, I know i'm gonna be missing several but he threw a lot of well-named dogs that done a lot of winning and also done a lot of reproducing too um and I'm, he um there was some females out of him I mean, and plus, like, Wendy right now, she's out of a full brother to Batman. But, you know, you, anywhere you see some of these top reproducing hounds, a lot of them goes back to Newt somewhere. Mm-hmm. He was a lot like set him a pace, you yeah. know, uh, back in the day. And and he only had a few number of pups. Yeah, Newt's got 188 pups, registered pups. That's That's not right. Pups reproduce. Let's look at that number. Newt had 188 pups reproduced, 140 permanently registered, 17 knights, 18 grand knights out of that. Out of that, mm-hmm. so, and his percentage is 18.62 percent. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good when you're talking about when you start scattering that the pups out to different people and you can't control where they go, but to hit that eight, you know, anything above 15 percent, oh yeah, is doing doing really well and and plus he died at i think he was mike could tell you better i think he was seven right i mean he didn't even live a full life mm-hmm. so it's untelling what he could have done you know if he would have been 
bred two more, you know. Yeah. So where'd Newt come from? What's, what's his pedigree look like? Newt is our Southern Gage, which is a uh, full brother to set him up ace out of a younger litter. Okay. So him and uh, set him up ace is basically the same thing, but he's a younger litter, um, which would have been Lafoon Super Sting and Sugar Cookie. Okay. And then Newt's bottom side, um, I'm wanting to think it was out of a jet female. So it, you, you go back into. It came from Ed Mead's place. Mm-hmm. Blue Tick. No, well. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can get a little lost. It's been a long time since I've no, sat I'm down. Just, and, I'm and giving the, you a hard time. <laughs> I just, I just, I, that's how much I know about the, the black and tan breed really mm-hmm. uh super i mean i'm i'm like very ignorant on black and tans um but i've been around some great ones i've you know i hunted with juice jeff wood's juice dog when jeff when juice was alive mm-hmm. um i've seen bad to the bones uh what's that dog's name black hawk was it bad to the bones black hawk yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah black hawk didn't I've hunted with it. I've hunted with Black Blackhawk. Dean Miller owned him. Yeah. And then, yeah. Um, well, Mike Crockett and Stephen Gamble started him. And they done a little winning with him there. And then <laughs> Dean bought him off them. And then uh, Dean ended up selling him to Roger Shables. Mm-hmm. And Roger kept him for probably two or three years. And then they sold him back to Dean. Right. And then Dean put him in the hands of Timmy Waters. Yeah. And Timmy took him to, I think he placed him fifth in the ukc world hunt one year and then he got him in the finals i think two years of the akc world hunt yep matter of fact tell you a quick story about blackhawk they should have won they should have won that final at the akc world hunt i was standing out there um i was calling all the call they were radioing to me the scores and i was calling them back into the headquarters it was right there in greensburg indiana <clears throat> and they turned those dogs loose, and we hunted the whole cast in the same area. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to hear most of it until a Walker dog was it Zeb? Th- is it one of the Zeb dogs or Wipeout dogs? I can't remember. There's been I I, I can't remember which uh, finals that one was. If it was in Indiana, I think that was the first year he got into the final yes. four. And the second year he got in the final four, it was in Ohio because. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I ended up breeding Superman's mommy, and that's how. And then I took her up there to meet Dean Miller, and they was up there, and I got to, you yeah. know, be there at that final four. So that final four, I I watched the whole thing. We had two dogs that circled back around passes. There's a little black and tan female in that cast too. They treat a coon not 300 yards from me, but I stood there and I feel like I witnessed one of the most perfect casts that I'd ever seen. Uh, perfect performances by a dog in a cast. Blackhawk really didn't get out of pocket much, and he treed coon after coon after coon, and then it came down to a big leafy maple tree at the end of the hunt. The The wipeout dog was, I'm, I'm sure it was a wipeout dog, was way out of pocket, and it came down to that. Blackhawk didn't have his coon, and they found the coon in this tree way out of pocket. But mm-hmm. he, I actually stood there and listened to every strike and every tree he made all the way in that farm. It was awesome. He had a heck of a mouth. He did. 
yeah big pretty clear mouth mm -hmm. i had all the dogs in my garment so i could i could see which directions they were so i knew which direction to be listening for and he didn't get he never got into the little numbers on the garment you know like mm -hmm. 0.6 or anything like that it was it was all within 900 yards of where we should cut him loose mm -hmm. and i mean he went in there and treated every raccoon he could yeah in that time frame it was amazing mm -hmm. it was amazing and he was a he's a half brother yeah to batman a, yeah he's a half brother to me yep yep yeah it was good it was good so there's definitely something there what about set him up ace you know you see he's an uncle to to batman mm -hmm. right so yeah. Uh, what kind of dog did you ever hunt with Ace? No, I never did get to hunt with Ace. Where did, where was he and who owned him? Um, I think Eddie Muse started him, mm -hmm. and I know the guy that ended up with him, close <laughs> friend of mine, real close friend of mine, Jimmy Reese and Brian Reese out of Tennessee, Pikeville, Tennessee. Yeah, they ended up with him, and he died. I think at at their house, but his story. I think he got you know. Switched around a couple of times before he ended up at Jimmy's house, mm -hmm. but it was kindly by Eddie Muse, and there was another guy I cannot think of his name off the top of my head. Um, but they was the ones that kindly done a little bit of stuff with him, and then Jimmy and them ended up with him. Yeah, yeah. So we'll reel it back in here to Batman, mm -hmm. and uh, I want to talk about Chigger a little bit, and and find out why you guys why you guys wanted a pup out of that and not only that but why your uncle wanted to charge you money to get a pup out of that <laughs> <laughs> well tony tony grubb is just like a brother to me and my brother uh him and aaron gray both. is he your uncle did you no, say he was your uncle no okay might as well be i guess you yeah. can say i mean i've looked up to him for a lot of years yeah. i mean my first black and tan come from him um he's the one that got me into it he's the one that Help me study this stuff. Yeah. I mean, he's the one that, that done a lot of legwork. Um, we started hunting pups out of Chigger for him when I was probably 17, 16, 17 year old. And I, I'd hunted dogs for a lot of people up until that point. I know I was young, but I hunted a lot. People would send me dogs to hunt for them. Yeah. Um, I'd get uh, pups out of different stuff. I had red bones, English, you name it, I had it. Right. Um, if you but, want a dog broke, send it down to Micah. Well, I don't know about that. I, I would at least hunt it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, that's half the battle right there. But now, um, I nothing that I hunted at the time, I always wanted something that, you know, First off, tree coons, but I wanted something that was a little bit more independent than mm -hmm. most. You know, at that time, you know, dogs has changed a lot in the last 15, 20 years. Um, Hold well, on to that thought because we're going to talk about it. <laughs> but then, you know, everybody wanted that first strike, first tree dog. All dogs was together. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times you'd end up with a lot of slicks because you'd have dogs competing for that first tree and then they'd slam a tree and then... I didn't, I really wasn't into that. Right. I wanted a dog that was a little bit more independent. I didn't care if I had first strike or not. I just wanted dog tree coons and it not be with them dogs. But and, why wouldn't you want first strike? I mean, you're giving up, you're giving, I, and this is for people that might not be into competition. We're going to lay this out for them. 
but tell me why you're not concerned about those strike points. Because if you're hunting low end, you mean you could be striking in for 25, and then if dogs aren't treated together, the most you're ever going to get is 25, and you got to mm-hmm. make up a coon. And, and so, that's the part is you got to have a dog that hustles enough and scrappy enough to you get that tree, go score it. Hopefully you're treed first. Yeah. And then you get recut while them dogs are still trying to, you know, get treed. Yeah, um, but I've been beat. Oh, I have I've been, been too. beat and I've won in those one hour casts where you didn't get that first run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by I the have. time you get them walking all four trees, you're walking back with a scorecard that your name, you know, you're not carrying that scorecard back to the clubhouse. No. <laughs> but now there's, you know, I don't know. It's just something that I've always wanted a dog that was independent. Mm-hmm. That wanted to didn't have to have no help tree a cone. Yeah. Um, if it treed with another dog at that time, that was fine because it, you know, nowadays things has got better as far as for us handlers to train dogs, you know, with the Garmin's and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking at a time when you just had beep beeps. Right. Um, so it was a little bit harder back then to get a independent, they had to have that natural ability. Mm-hmm. And, this line that that Chigger was out of, you know, Chigger through that independency. Not every pup was that way, but you could find what you was sort of looking for in that. Mm-hmm. And they would have that natural instinct of being by themselves. Um, or at least they was trainable to do that. Yeah. And that's kind of why I stuck with that line. Um, and going back to uh, why we wanted a pup out of Newt and Chigger is because of Newt. Yeah. He wasn't all that popular then at the time when he bred her to to Newt. But we knew that, you know, he's got a lot of nice pups out there. Mm -hmm. Throwing a big mouth in his pups. And we just wouldn't try it. And that's kind of how that come about. Is Blackhawk older than Batman? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm, By about three years, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think there's three years difference. Yeah. Now, Batman, um, actually, I was just talking to Mike about it at Black and Tan Days, which we've talked about it numerous times because when I go to the Winter Classic, I always go state with Mike. Mm -hmm. But I think that Batman was the last litter or second to the last litter out of Newt. Mm -hmm. And then he ended up dying. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know. It just... With Black Hawk doing all his winning and then Batman come along, Batman's still yet to this day. I've still not ever had a pup out of Batman that was as loud as him. Yeah. Um, he was a real loud dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and Black Hawk, you, you've witnessed it. I mean, yeah. he had a killer mouth, and I feel like that Newt put a lot of that in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Chiggers, a lot of Chiggers dogs had good mouths, but not nothing like what that Newt litter did. Mm-hmm. That Newt litter had a just a notch above everything else. Yeah. What else, what else is there about, about the pups that came out of Newt that were drawing you that direction besides the winning, you know, we're talking confirmation. We talking trackability, talking brains, talking drive, you know, what was it? Uh, at that time, nothing really just, I, I was wanting to pup out Newt, you know, <laughs> just like, yeah. like anything else. It was just, uh, just the thought of having a pup out of Newt at that How time. How were you at the time? I was 20, 23, 22, no, 
was 22. Yeah. So you're still relatively, I mean, when we're 22 years old, we think we know what we want. Right. And, and, I, and yeah. And, and so you made a good choice by getting <laughs> Batman for sure. Uh, but I know how that is. You know, my son right now, 20 years old, be 21. He wants, he's, he's got a motorcycle. Why you got a motorcycle? He wants a motorcycle. You know, so he's riding a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just the way our brains work at that age. Ours works in coon dogs. His working in motorcycles. You right. know? Uh, and he doesn't want just any motorcycle. He wants that Yamaha, whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, uh, I think we just, uh, we all go down that road of when you get enough years of hunting, then you get to that point where you're watching what's going on around you and you're like man that might be something mm -hmm. did you have that feeling about about newt and chigger yeah in a way um i did but i don't know it was just the at that time and and plus my memory is is foggy a little bit when it goes back to me trying to remember why i wanted a pup out of that it's just i you know, you'd hear it about Black Hawk because at that time he was a young pup mm -hmm. doing real good. Yeah. I just heard a little bit. Mike Crockett at that time, he was winning a lot of stuff. Um, I just wanted a pup out of him. Yeah. Yeah. It, were you a black and tan guy prior to getting Batman? Yeah, I just had, you know, I had been hunting black and tans probably five years at that time. Mm -hmm. How old I, were you when you started hunting? How old I started hunting? Probably about nine when I started. I mean, my brother and my papa would always take me, and Rick Vickers, they'd take me um, here and there. Mm -hmm. You know, they wouldn't take me all the time, but they, and I really didn't absolutely love it. I knew I liked it. Yeah. I didn't absolutely love it until I got about nine, 10 year old. And then um, my brother got me a Walker dog. And I'm surprised you went back. <laughs> now, it wasn't no count. We've, but, hey, Josh Michaelis has spent so much time slobbering over Walker dogs in this podcast. I'm going to take my, <laughs> I'm going to take my opportunity. Now it wasn't no count. I can't even remember what it was out of, but he did get me a Walker dog. And once I got that dog, I started just wanting to hunt. Yeah. And then my buddy, Rick Vickers, he's hunted, uh, red bones his whole entire life. He had some pretty good red bones at the time. Well, when we'd go with him, most of the time his dogs treat the coons. Yeah. You know, and I always wanted a dog like that. And then my brother ended up getting a dog, a black and tan called Molly off Tony Barnes out of Mount Vernon. Mm -hmm. And then it went from Rick's dogs treeing the coons all the time to Molly was treeing all these coons. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah. You know, and uh, I ended up. I was still hunting. I was hunting red bones. I was hunting everything. Right. And then I talked my brother into uh, trading whatever dog I had at the time, but trading it off. And we called Tony Grubb. He was working at a dealership down here down from us. And Shane said, I can get you a black and tan pup if you want it. And I called Tony. And I had saved up. I had big piggy banks. In my room, <laughs> that I'd save quarters forever. Yep. And then plus, mom and dad, they'd give me all their quarters and all that. I counted quarters for probably two days, nonstop. I counted every 
change I could find. Tony gave me a price. Is um, he was a pup out of Ivy Grove. No, he was a litter mate to Ivy Grove River X. He was out of uh, Rex, Jeff Nelson's Rex dog, and one of uh, Hayward Ivy's females. Mm -hmm. And it was about eight months old at the time. It was run tree in cage coons, run tree coon by itself. And Tony told me he'd take $800 for it. Mm -hmm. So I saved up, and and I bought that dog. And then when we got down there, my dad told him, he said, yeah, he'd been saving up quarters for two days. He's been counting them every day for two days trying to buy this dog. He ended up taking 500 for it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I ended how much, up with my How first much one. do you have in quarters? Did you have enough in quarters to buy it? Yes. So you roll, all the change. Did I, you roll in there with piggy banks? No, I ended up. My you dad should took have. <laughs> you should have been like, I got your money. My dad took me to the bank, and we, we, we ended up cashing all them rolls of quarters and rolls of pennies and dimes, everything I had. We took them up there, and I, I got $800, and I went to Barville to go pick him up. Hmm. I think if some kid rolled in my house with, with a jug full of quarters said, I've been counting these things for two days, I won't buy that dog, I'd just be like, I don't even want to know how much is in the jug. If you've been counting quarters and saving for that long, <laughs> just give me the jug and take the dog. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's a cool story, man. Yeah. So, so how old were you then? 15, 14? I was probably 13, 13. 12 or 13 yeah. year old at the time. And then I got him and then I, I, plus I had him and then I was still hunting, you know, other dogs at the time too. Mm -hmm. But now he ended up making a pretty nice dog. Yeah. And, um, then I went, got in high school. I took a little wild hair. I ended up selling him. Sure. And then when I got back into it, I bought another dog off Tony. Well, let's back up to 13. You mm -hmm. say you're, you, you don't make nice dogs by not hunting. You didn't have driver's license. How'd you hunt? My papa and mainly Rick Vickers. Rick Vickers, anytime I would call that man, he'd come pick me up. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the time. It didn't matter if it was snowing outside. He was religious about coming and picking me up taking me coon hunting did he like coon hunting that much or did he like you coon hunting that much he loved coon hunting mm -hmm. and i and i'm sure you know he he enjoyed you know getting me out and starting me and all that i'm sure he enjoyed all that yeah uh because i still hunt with him to this day mm -hmm. um but he he did he he I wish to goodness that I could be that kind of person to do that for some kid, but now he done it for me. Yeah. And I do still try to do that to kids, but I mean, I call him all the time, almost every night and he come pick me up. Man, I hope you're enjoying this episode with Micah Ayers talking about Batman and lineage and getting our starting and hunting. There's a lot more good stuff on the other side of this. But right now, we need to talk about our awesome sponsors. I know, I know, nobody likes commercials, but I want to explain to you how important it is to have companies out there that are willing to invest their money into shows like this that teach us and give us inspiration and enter entertain us. And most importantly, puts a, a show out there or attaches their name to a show that is out there to make hunting with hounds mainstream because of you our listeners and because of our sponsors houndsman xp 
is one of the most downloaded podcasts in the outdoor industry. I get messages from bird hunters, deer hunters, trappers, all kinds of people that are listening to this show and appreciate it because you have made it important for you and these sponsors have made it important to them because they want to support this lifestyle we all lead. So real quick shout out to a couple sponsors. One sponsor that has been with me since the beginning is Dogs Are Treed. Kevin and Nancy Hall have been friends. I've visited them in their homes. We've recorded podcasts in their homes. They've been on the show, but they do more than just produce product. It's all top quality product. You can find it all at Dogs Are Treed. But Kevin and Nancy Hall recently sent prize packages to a PKC youth hunt in Virginia, all the way from Idaho, because they know how important the future is for our hound sports and our lifestyle. So check out Dogs Are Treed at dogsartreed.com. And when you enter the promo code HXP20% off at checkout, you'll get 20% off your order. We've also got some hats over there, but shop for the products first and then throw a hat in. Don't just go there to buy our hats. They got the best equipment in the industry as far as leashes, tieouts, paws are protected, dogs are hydrated. I mean, the list goes on and on. So check them out. I also want to give a shout out to LW Nixon at Cajun Lights. If you haven't looked at a Cajun light lately, you should check that out. I know we run the truth on Friday, but here's some truth about the light industry. Almost all of these light manufacturers are using the same components to build these lights. The bell housing for the front, the battery box in the back, the batteries, it all comes down to the quality in which that light is manufactured. But then on the other side, more importantly, is when you have a problem, what kind of customer service are you going to get? I've spent enough time with L.W. Nixon to know that he is in the business of customer service. And you should check out Cajun Lights at CajunLights.com. Finally, I want to talk about Freedom Hunters. If you are not following them on Facebook, you're doing yourself a great disservice or Instagram or wherever you can find them on Go Wild. They're there as well. Freedom Hunters is a nonprofit organization that benefits veterans of the military and Gold Star family members and takes them on outdoor adventures. Houndsman XP from the very beginning has partnered with Freedom Hunters to coordinate all of the hound hunting adventures. We've taken veterans on hog hunts in the South, deer hunts, coon hunts, hog hunts, bear hunts, lion hunts. It's all there. And there's an opportunity for you to get involved as well. All you have to do is go to freedomhunters.org, fill out a volunteer application, and start hosting America's Heroes for a Freedom Hunters adventure today. Our freedoms have been paid for by the sacrifices of these men and women, and we can pay it back by getting them out there. We'll be doing ourselves a favor by exposing them and showing them what being a houndsman and hunting with hounds is really all about. Go to freedomhunters.org. Check them out. You can make a donation there. You can find out where the fundraisers are. You can attend a fundraiser for them. From field to field, check out Freedom Hunters. Let's get back to our interview with Micah Ayers.
No kidding. Mm -hmm. it, that is so important for a young a young kid to experience that. I had some people like that in my life too. I didn't really kick it into high gear until, you know, I had a driver's license and stuff like that. It was mostly just where I could walk from the house. Mm -hmm. uh, lived out eastern farmland there of Indiana, and uh, man, I walked miles. I mean, I'd have mom or dad. Mom and dad didn't. My dad didn't hunt coon hunt he couldn't figure out why i wanted to go out in the dark and do that mm -hmm. but i'd have him drive me over the next you know two blocks away two mile square sections away and drop me off on a creek that ran right back to the house mm -hmm. and the dogs i mean we weren't like you said we weren't hunting the same dogs mm -hmm. so you could hunt your way back and not walk 20 miles to get home for two you know right. so it was a little bit different but it sounds like your story is kind of the same yeah and then papa um Every time he'd go, he'd make sure that I went. What kind of dogs did he hunt? He hunted a little everything. He had blue ticks. He had black and tans. He had uh, walkers. He had, he had whatever was going to tree a coon mm -hmm. for him. Yep, whatever it would tree a coon. Did he keep a lot of dogs or no, did he just keep one or two? He only kept one or two dogs. That's all he'd ever keep. Yeah. I I know a lot of guys like that back in the day. You know, they just have one or two dogs out there. They they get with a buddy and go coon hunting and, mm -hmm. and didn't keep a whole kennel full. I think that was more of a throwback or a carryover from, you know, when they didn't have a lot of money and, and depression era type stuff. And they grew up when times were hard and they mm -hmm. couldn't afford to have a bunch of dogs sitting around that they, they weren't hunting. Right. Um, my dad, you know, he always loved squirrel hunting. He'd go coon hunting some, but he never did love it. Uh, Papa was the main one that, yeah, that's that was his deal he loved coon hunting yeah um he always wouldn't see me and my brother both coon hunt um even like with mom she'd always throw a fit by like you know he can't go coon hunting at school night and he'd throw a fit on her <laughs> he'd, say, he'd, he'd, he'd always point his crooked finger at her and he'd say hey he said, now, if them boys is out there coon hunting, they ain't into nothing else. They're out there chasing a the hound. Yeah. You need to leave them alone let them go coon hunting. Yeah, mom, mom was always like that, too. I, I was the oldest of six, and uh, they never understood it, but mom was always like, hey, my brother that's 13 months younger than me, he, he got a, not trouble, trouble, but he was a little more wild than I was as far as partying and girls and stuff like that mom will tell you that she never did worry about me and that's a good thing because i probably did some things while i was out coon hunting that i shouldn't have been doing right <laughs> uh, i could tell you about the night of with a bottle of peach brandy and losing dog leashes and all kinds of stuff and leaving a dog in the woods and all kinds of crazy stuff so i uh, wasn't innocent by any means but but there is something to that you know when you raise them like that and you get a kid that likes to hunt like that then it keeps him out of a lot of, a lot of trouble that kept me out of a whole lot of trouble yeah. you know i played basketball all the way up through school and i would roll in of morning you know when we'd have morning practices in the winter i'd roll in with the dogs in the box coveralls on <clears> i'd get in there and i'd change my stuff my coach would be all mad and he'd be like what are you doing you've laid out all night coon hunting and you supposed to be in here practicing but my other teammates i mean a lot of them wasn't that bad crazy but they'd all be out partying and stuff and i yeah. didn't have no desire to do that i just wanted to go chase a dog around right 
Which is crazy enough on its own. Yeah. Yeah, they they never did understand it. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we said we we're going to talk about this. What is the difference? You, you mentioned it. How have dogs changed since since you started coon hunting and got serious about it mm-hmm. and, and where we're at today? Well, just like I said before, I mean, when I first started competition coon hunting, just about ever cast i mean dogs would all be together mm-hmm. you very rarely ever see a dog that got off by itself and tree a cone um but when you've seen it that's and then they would tree a cone or whatever and your dogs had done already made two or three slicks or two or three circle trees circle slicks and you'd be like man I wish I had a dog just like circle that slick <laughs> what's a circle slick you tell you got to explain that one <laughs> A slick tree that you know is 100% slick, but it's probably got enough leaves on it. Or it might have a little bit of hole, but like that right there. <laughs> enough to just get you by. Um, but They're a blessing is what they are they when are you're a in blessing. a competition. Yes, they huh? are. 100% they're a blessing. <laughs> and I've took full advantage of them sometimes. But, <laughs> but, now, uh, but when you'd always see that dog back then, it'd be sitting in there. Mm-hmm. tree it'd have a cone you'd be like that's that's what i want to go after yeah and um and now everybody that's kindly it's kindly adapted but it's got easier to uh you know back then you just had to beat peeps like i said i mean mm-hmm. it was a little bit harder now you get to see almost every move that dog's making whether it's most horrible thing we ever created for coon hunting made a bunch of liars out of all of us <laughs> right. it was the garmin it's like now we're going to see how bad this dog really is i remember the first night i hunted with one and uh, i was like man i thought my dog hunted different than that i thought they did this i thought they did that and then it's totally changed mm-hmm. Well, look at it. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, just like what you're saying, dog might be out there two or three hundred yards. If you're just listening to that dog, it might sound like it's going up here and then coming back around or whatever. And in reality, if you're looking at that Garmin, it's just coloring in a spot. Yeah, scribbling a dot. Scribbling a dot. Yeah. And yeah. now, when we see that, we're either putting them out there with a shocker or going in there and beating them out of there. Right. One of the two. I we're, mean, that's, we're, we're running them out. We're, you know, we're putting we're pressure on them. on them to make them move. And yep. before the Garmin's, you didn't have that option. Yeah. You just had to trust that dog. <laughs> yeah. I put a lot of trust in some worthless dogs, I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Do you think the dogs today, um, do you think it's genetic or do you think it's training? Or is it a combination of both? Because I I really believe that we're seeing a higher success rate in some of these pups now. I think it's a combination of both. I think that a lot of people ain't fooling with the the dog that they would have back ten years ago. Mm-hmm. That was a coon trier, no doubt. But they just didn't move fast enough. Mm-hmm. Didn't move like it one should or um they spent too much time on the ground i mean there's just so much nowadays that you can compare a lot of these dogs to mm-hmm. um i ain't taking nothing away from some of them dogs because a lot of people that's the style of dog they want but as far as um i think it's a combination of both of training and being better breeders yeah when i'm talking training you know we've got better tools now mm-hmm. to train yeah. just like we talked about 
what was a coon treer that's in there scribbling a dot on your Garmin isn't go- what's going to win in a competition hunt. Mm-mm. And and so that dog is not going to be bred or shouldn't be bred. And I think a lot of people are waking up to that. They are. And um, it, it, it's a lot of, com- it's a combination of both. I know I've said that two or three times here, but you have to give credit where credit's due. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the technology has changed it and it's got it a whole lot better. I mean, now look at the price of dogs. And a lot of that has to do with they ain't many people out here training dogs no more. So when there's you do dogs find sell, one. There's dogs selling for more than the horse was paid for that won the Kentucky Derby this year. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And it happens every day. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. But, I mean, the Kentucky Derby winner this year was kind of a freak, too. So. <laughs> but that is something to compare it to, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, so let's get back to Batman. Let's talk about Batman. Uh, I want to talk about, you know, the style of dog he was, you know, let's start there. Let's start about the style of dog that Batman was. Style of dog. Or is. He. He's retired now, but when you were hunting him and pushing him. He, he would get his mouth open pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Um, later on in life, he kind of quietened down a lot, but he would move really good. He did. Was he a babbler or was he an honest strike dog? He was pretty honest strike dog. I mean. He would babble some when he was younger, but more when he got up. See, we quit hunting him when he was about two, a little over two, because mm-hmm. we was breeding so many females to him at the time. Because Nude had passed away, and Sugar was just getting, mm-hmm. you know, we started breeding a whole lot of females to him. Um, got to being more than what me and my brother could bear, so we ended up uh, start hunting pups out of him. Yeah, But Bat, he, he, he moved really good on the ground. He didn't spend a whole lot of time you know um on the ground at all he uh he wasn't no straight line hunter you know how you know mm-hmm. you turn him loose he wasn't just straight line in there he kind of just zigzagged and, and hunted a place out but he stayed moving constantly mm-hmm. um he would get deep but bat had a pretty good nose he was what i would call he probably is to this day probably the most well balanced dog I ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these other pups out of him, you know, their their strengths had been something a little bit more than than his was or something like that that was better than what he was. Mm-hmm. But as far as a well balanced sound, he could do about anything. You know, as far as water, um, rivers, the whole nine. You could take him up to to Indiana, Ohio. He could he could edge. I've uh, seen a lot of dogs come from big wood areas, big woods areas like we're in here, and then come to the ag country, and they don't really know what to do with it. You mm-hmm. know, you take a dog that where there's a lot of coons, <clears throat> you need a dog that is that's if a dog's been hunted there a lot and you've raised them in that area, they learn to run those edges mm-hmm. and slash and and not spend a lot of time in cornfields because there's coon scent everywhere. But he could do that too. Yeah, I mean, he was the first dog I had ever owned, um, or my brother ever owned that we could load up, and we won. It, we didn't win overall or nothing with him, but he won his cast just about anywhere we took him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all you can ask. Him that's to all do. you can ask him to do. Um, myself, Ronnie, <laughs> Joe Wilson, 
Aaron Gray, Tony Grubb, and there was several different handlers behind him. So it just wasn't like it was just me doing it or my brother doing it. It was, you know, several different men doing it behind him. Right. And went and cast with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, his competition career didn't last very long. But in the short time that he was, I mean, I had him in Indiana, Ohio, you know, Autumn Oaks, Winter Classic, the World Hunt. Um, he won his cast at all of them. Yeah. So, I mean, you couldn't never knock him as far as he was just a consistent dog. Yeah. Just a well-balanced, consistent dog. Did he? And so evidently traveled good. Yeah. Traveling didn't seem to hurt him. That's no. one of the things that really breaks down a lot of these competition coon dogs is they're all, they all look pretty good behind the house, but when you start putting them on the road mm-hmm. and running up and down the road with them, it wears on them. Yeah. It wears on me as a, as a person, you know, being on the road all the time. Uh, but he seems like he traveled well. Yeah, he did. He mm-hmm. did. And, I mean, that's going going back to what I was saying, you know, some of these pups out of him, like Superman, he didn't travel. You'd always have to show up a day ahead yeah, and kind of get his foolishness out of the way and then, then hunt him. Same way with Flo, the one that you've seen down in mm-hmm. Black and Tan Days. You might have to go a day ahead of time, hunt her, and then let everything all the foolishness go away and then then you'll get her mm-hmm. <laughs> in her element oh uh, there's two plots i got right now they you got to show up about a week in advance to get all the foolishness out of them <laughs> <laughs> they, and i've traveled i've done some pretty big road trips with them i was on the road for a month straight you know living out of that dog box and stuff just all over the west and back here and some dogs just travel well mm-hmm. you know yeah. It's it's one of those unique things. So, what are the pups out of Batman doing? You got, uh, you got any big success stories? What kind of pups have come out of him that are doing some winning? Oh, there's so many. I I mean, if I Obviously, got to try the mission. You're on the historical list. You got pups that are winning. Um, I know if I started trying to mention the names and pups, I'll leave somebody out and mm-hmm. make them mad or whatever, but... Um, I mean, one of his pups is on the current reproducer. I think he's number one on the current reproducer. Let's look. I've got it's, it right uh, here. Gilman's Kentucky Rebel. And then um, three, uh, I think there's three or maybe four females that's on the current reproducer out of him right now. Rebel is number one. Mm-hmm. And then the females. My wife scroll down to females. All right, let's see. Let's see how well you can do here. How, what what females are on there? Uh, should be Singer is one of them. Um, you're talking current. Yeah, current. Yep. Singer. Yep. Coulter Soul Singer. Um, I hope I pronounced that right. Yeah. And here you look at it and you tell yeah. me what's on there. Bella, Barnes is Midnight Bella. She's out of him. Uh, Gilman's Late uh, Night Gypsy. That's the three, yeah. And how many dogs are listed on that right now? Six? Um, There's six? Ten. There's ten, ten on there. Ten of them? Yeah. So three out of ten are out of Batman. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the reproducing of carrying, you know, him carrying on his legacy through his pups, I mean, they're mm-hmm. obviously reproducing. Um 
And then you have, you know, I think there's three uh, dogs out of him that has won the high score in black and tan at the world hunt, mm -hmm. which one of them would be Superman, one of them would be Rebel, um, other one would be Flo, the one I have. Mm -hmm. And then you have Superman, he won the Triple Crown back in 2018. And um, there's been, a you know, Superman won King of Hunt Black and Tan Days back in 19. Then there's been um, some grand pups out of him that's won it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I mean, I know I've just named three or four of them right there, but the, there's also been several other ones. Yeah. That is, you know, either won the Perina race, like Joker won the Perina race one year. Um, there's just several. What's your favorite cross with Batman? Oh. If you if you could go back and, and pick one, you know, if like that's the one I wanted out of. It would have to be out of Superman's bum because I done what all I done with <laughs> Superman. But I raised two of them pups out of that litter. I raised uh, Kentucky River Super Sting, which Glenn owns. Glenn Young owns now. Uh, I'd actually give him to my buddy Aaron Gray Flop, mm -hmm. and then he sold him to uh, Glenn. Um, but them two pups was just naturals. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they 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 was just so easy to start. Uh, once Sting, Sting ended up started, he, he just went from nothing to doing it all on his own. How uh, old was he when he started? He was about 10 months old when he started. Superman started a little bit younger than him, but once Sting started, he just... He just flipped the switch. Yeah, he just flipped the switch, and he was right up there with Superman, if not a, ahead of him at a, at a certain time frame. So it, it just goes from nothing to acting like he's been doing it for a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder what I wonder what causes that. I have no clue, man. If we could figure <laughs> that out, <laughs> but I would say that cross, um, just because I had so so much success with Superman out of that cross. I mean, mm -hmm. I would have to say that would be my one that I would have to go back to. Yeah, nothing wrong with any of the other ones because I mean, uh, uh, there's been several other good crosses out of him. So. You guys only hunted him until he, Batman, until he was about two years old. Mm-hmm. He was a little over two. Okay. So why in the world would anybody come down here to breed the bat with, you know, you, you said you didn't win any, mm -hmm. win any big hunts with him. What was it about him that made people come down here to breed that many females to him? I still don't know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> um only thing, and I and I've told this to many others. It's just Lord's just blessed us. Mm -hmm. There is no question about it. Um, why he picked me and my brother to to do this stuff with Batman, I have no clue. Yeah, it's just been a blessing. Uh, something that I obviously does do not deserve none of it. <laughs> yeah, but he ended up doing it. And I, I don't know why. I don't know why people bred to him. It might have been a combination of Chigger was coming up and doing the stuff that she was doing on the, her end and then Newt passing away early. I right. don't know. But you obviously, you know, you had Blackhawk right there that was doing a whole lot of winning at the time. Yeah. Um, and Blackout. There was several other ones out of Newt mm -hmm. that was doing a lot of winning. Why they chose Batman, I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah.
I mean, I'm thankful that they did. Sure. But, you know, I don't know the reason. Yeah. All right. Well, well, I got another question for you, and this is kind of away from – this is going to be a tough one. This is going to be a tough question. So, do you consider yourself – this will be the easy part of the question. Do you consider yourself a a coon hunter or a competition coon hunter? And do you see a difference in the two? Yeah. I mean, I would probably consider myself – more towards the competition coon hunter because I think if I ever quit competition hunting, I don't know if I would continue to coon hunt mm-hmm. just for the simple fact because I enjoy so much of getting a dog ready. Yeah. It don't matter if I hunt the dog or not All right. in the hunt. Um, I enjoy getting a dog competition ready. Well, you just came off the biggest win of your career. Oh, well, your son did. Well, my son, yeah. <laughs> Maxson. What did he what, tell us what he won? He won first place youth on Friday night. Um, at Black and Tan Days. Black and Tan Days. He just turned six year old on the 28th of April. Um, didn't even have no desire into doing that hunt. Uh, he had been with Josh Renfro and his little boy all weekend mm-hmm. up to that day. And. I took him pleasure hunting the night before, and that's kind of what I had in mind. You know, he he goes hunting with me around home with squirrel hunting and coon hunting both, but, you know, he don't know necessarily what's going on or -hmm. or nothing. Um, So I just was planning on just taking him pleasure hunting. So we done done that the night before. He was all fired up. Goes back uh, Friday night when we all taking entries, and he's not leaving that youth table. Really? Yeah, he's a, he's at that U table. I mean, he's went outside a little bit, but most of the time he's over talking to Josh Renfro and them. Well, I'm sitting there. I'm helping put out the guides for the hunt and taking up entries and stuff. And he comes over to me and he said, Dad, I want to go coon hunting. I said, yeah, we'll go coon hunting after a while, son. I said, let me get, get done. He said, no, I want to go hunting the hunt. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll go coon hunting but i don't know about that well he whines a little bit he's still in that whiny stage and he goes back off well chris Knighty, he come up to me and he said are you gonna let your son hunt that youth hunt i said dude there's no way <laughs> he's not gonna be able to hold up for an hour and a half yeah and uh he just laughs at me he said you want me to get you a slip or not he said you might as well just let him go i said well go and get me a slip and i sign him up and I asked Josh right before we left, I said, what exactly am I allowed to say <laughs> or do or anything along them lines to help you? I said, because, you know, he said, I understand. He said, he's young. He said, with this younger age group, you know, you can't tell them to strike and treat their dog, obviously, but mm-hmm. you can, you can like hand around and this, that, and the other. Right. So for 15 minutes to the woods, I'm sitting back here with a six-year-old working on him like, all right, if, if daddy says this right here, you can do this. Or, you know, trying to just come up with something where he'll enjoy himself and he won't be embarrassed. Yeah. Well, when we get out there and he's walking across this cornfield and it's plowed up, he's struggling with the dog anyways, just getting into the woods. And I'm letting him, he's wanting to do all of it on his own. Yeah. So we get over and we cut loose. He's over there. He's throwing sticks. He's throwing sticks at the other kids. 
He's <laughs> he's talking to him, saying, "Hey, there's a dog barking," and I'm just like, "How am I going to talk one of these guys into going in there and getting my dog and me taking this youngin back to the truck?" <laughs> and these other dogs, they go over there. Flows never open. They go over here and they get treed, and uh, <laughs> go in there and they miss a coon by a tree. Well. They circle up. Well, now he's kind of fired up, like, you know, all these kids is treeing their dogs, and where's my dog at, Daddy? Right. Well, she's on in there deeper. I'm looking at the Garmin. She still's never open. And um, we get them dogs off that tree, and we recut them. The walker dog opens up right-handed, and she opens up. And I said, hey, do you hear your dog? And he went, strike flow. <laughs> I mean, just out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, hey, listen to me. <laughs> And uh, she goes on in there, and she locates. And I said, hey, you hear your dog? Tree flow. We go in there, and she's got a coon. Yeah. Well, I'm sitting here here in my mind like, he's he's winning this thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it just hit, hit home to me that he's winning. And now you're getting competitive. <laughs> now I'm starting to get the competitive <laughs> edge. So we recut them. And uh, I can't remember if she struck in second or third or whatever she struck in for. And um, I said, you hear your dog or whatever? And he said, yes, yeah, strike flow. And in the meantime, every time he'd say strike flow, I'd tell him to go up there to the judge to tell him. He'd go up there to Dave uh, Myers and get a hold of his jacket and just yank it. Say, hey, you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> and um, she had a dentry that time. She got split got treed other dogs come in there and covered her uh she had a den and then we recut them off that the walker dog didn't cover her. he went on in there and got treated again and he was treated out of a tree that went over the the creek mm -hmm. and at that time i didn't have a stopwatch on me i didn't know how much time was left in this thing because i thought i was going to go back to the truck at any moment right and me and Josh Renfro was taking times about of carrying him on her back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was just one of them deals like, why am I out here? But I'm glad I'm out here now. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but after that, that buzzard went off, I'm telling you, I've been blessed to win a whole lot in my lifetime, but that is by far the best win I've ever been a part of. Yeah. Was he excited? Was Max oh, excited? Oh yeah, he's talked more crap than. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the he's got that start part down. Oh huh? yeah, he's he's got gonna that. make a great competition hunter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've had to calm him down a couple of times, but yeah, he, he's yeah. talked more crap than law allows. <laughs> oh man! All right, here's the tough part of the question. So, if you consider yourself a competition coon hunter, with all the all the dogs that are winning you look around the hunts there aren't a whole lot of black and tans doing it mm -hmm. why did you stick with black and tans instead of going to some of the other walker breeds and stuff you know the those lines of dogs that that are i mean they're just dwarfiness in the hunts oh yeah um i honestly i mean i guess you could say i've just been so blessed Lord bless me so much with these black and tan coon hounds. It's just hard for me to to leave them. Loyalty. And, you know, I've been fortunate and blessed enough to find dogs that I've been able to compete with myself. Mm -hmm. um, 
I guess whenever it comes a day that I can't find that, then yeah, I might venture out somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I've had, I mean, my buddy J.R. Gray, I mean, he just won the world hunt in 18, the same year I won the triple crown, uh, won AKC world hunt. And then he just turned right around one tournament champions two weeks ago. Right. Um, and I hunt with him a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could hunt a walker at any moment and a good one. And, and some of his stuff, and I'm not trying to say it to blow his head up. It's <laughs> <laughs> some of the best walkers I've been in the hills with in a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and I see it and it's just like I've told him. I mean, it's just the same thing that what I've seen with Batman. I mean, I've seen it with Willie mm-hmm. and his pups. Um, and I could go and get me one at any moment, but I just, it's just hard. Yeah. Um, you know, I hunted back when Flo was going through her heat cycle deal there last year and I had to end up breeding her. Um, I ended up hunting um, a pup out of Willie for a good friend of mine that lives pretty close to here, mm-hmm. uh, Kendall and Zach Norris. It's actually the dog that JR had hunted the year before quite a bit and done a little winning with. Um, I enjoyed my time hunting him, but it just wasn't the same. Yeah. It just wasn't the same as having a black and tan. Well, we, we've talked, we talked about this a little bit, you know, on the ride up here about coon hunters being, and houndsmen in general, were tribalistic. Mm-hmm. You know, we always hunt the toughest places. You know, we always hunt the best dogs. And once we get into that, that mindset, then it's hard to hard to move us out of that. And with Batman, you know, you've got so much invested there. Mm-hmm. You know, you had a great dog, number one historical reproducer. You're producing what you want. How many generations are you into Batman stuff now? Third, fourth? I mean, I'm still just hunting direct pups off of him. You know, Flo is a direct pup off of him. Superman, I just retired him, but he was a direct pup off of him. Um I'm just now starting some pups out of Superman. Mm-hmm. I started one and let my buddy Tyson Lawson take him, and he won performance dog of the year with him this year. Mm-hmm. And he was a pup off of Superman. So you really so, haven't got into that phase yet because Batman's still alive, and you can still – is he still – Reproducing litters? Yeah, well, I bred him here about 40 days ago now, and I got a text message last week and said that guy said that he's going to have pups. Yeah. Yeah, he, and he's fixing to be 14, but he's still healthy and alive, yeah. and, I mean, he acts like he's two-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> you go up there, and he's just bouncing around. Um, still getting pups. Um, no, I, I mean, I've not transitioned myself. I, I mean, I probably should have, but... I just ain't. Have you had him collected? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can you can hunt pups out of him for years to come then. Yeah. I mean, I probably won't do nothing with it right away, you know, but. Is there a reason why you haven't, you know, you haven't taken like a uh, one of your females that's out of bat and bred just and then started pups out of that or why you haven't started pups out of Superman, Well, you know, to see what you're. See what you can do three, gen, you know, the third generation down. Well, I guess it'd be second generation down from me. Well, I mean, I have took, I mean, my bro, me and my brothers took Ivy and bred her to Big Top and Timber and a couple of these other st- stud dogs. Um, I've took Flo and let her, you know, bred her to a couple other ones. Uh, I bred her to my, my brother's Stroke Race dog, which done a ton of winning at one point in time. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, 
we bred her to one of David's dogs, and I let him raise the litter. And it, there ain't no reason or rhyme or reason why I haven't started any of them pups out of them. I just been so consumed and trying to just hunt the bigger hunts and focus on one yeah. dog. And um, I've not started a whole lot of pups in the last six, seven years. You're um, a busy time right now. It's yeah, going to get I mean, busier for you, too. I can tell you that. If, with the kids and everything, yeah. it's just been overwhelming and i ain't been able to start nothing not multiple dogs like i used to could i I just ain't been able to do that yeah and i'm i mean obviously i don't live in you know indiana or or somewhere that's been blessed with coon population (laughs) um and it's hard to start it's all rainbows and lollipops up there Um, there's a coon up every other tree no i I know better than that that's what everybody thinks about when they oh, think yeah. about it that's every i talked about tribalism and, and we always hunt the toughest places wherever we live not in indiana <laughs> and it's just it's all it's all the walking is downhill <laughs> you know it, it's never it's never bad it's never cold it's always a perfect temperature and the coons are always moving mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah i i know better than that I, i've been in a lot of times i've went up there and not treat but one or two coons in a night when you're thinking well we should treat six or seven <laughs> you ever walked across one of those muddy bean fields up north of richmond yeah in the in the winter time when the beans are out yep man that gumbo mode piles up on those boots and you wish i mean you've only got a 200 yard walk back to the truck and you wish somebody pick you up with a helicopter yeah. and get you out of there it's almost like you got two cement blocks on you oh yeah yeah but down where i live i mean it's it's just like your country right here mm-hmm you know, that southern Indiana side. What else you got, Micah? What do you think? I don't know. Man, well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you sitting down and talking to us about Batman and and just coon hunting in general. Well, I sure do appreciate you having me. Yeah. It's, it's not, an honor. Well, we'll see how big of an honor it is. How, see if you get any hate mail for being on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no, I... I I look forward to seeing what you guys can do down the road. I'd, I'd give you some advice. I know your life's going to get get busy. Not that you need any advice from me, but don't, man, don't lose what you got. You know, if you get, if you like what you're getting, you know, try to hang on to it however you can. Mm-hmm. Even if you got to get some buddies to hunt some dogs for you when the kids are playing sports and stuff like that. Well, I, I have uh, Leonard Young helps me a whole whole lot with that and um i'm fortunate blessed to have him help me because there's been a lot of times i can't go to a hunt or i have an entry or i need to go to this hunt and i can't and i can most time call him leonard other than in horse show season which is right now now he likes showing them horses but yeah um he he helps me out a whole lot that's good that's Mm -hmm. good well mike i appreciate it man well yeah um if you don't care, I'd like to say a few thanks to some people. Yeah. Uh, I want to tell uh, Tony Grubb and Aaron Gray, my brother, first and foremost, I want to thank them for everything they've done. You bet. And uh, and other people like J.R. Gray and Brian Reese and Jimmy Reese and uh, Dean Miller, um, Mike Crockett, um, David Gilman, Jeff Woods. I mean, you're going to have a podcast with him here in a day or two. Yeah. Or it might be before this one. I don't know. But yeah. he is he is one heck of a man. Yeah. He took Batman up there for me and my brother and kept him for about three years. 
and bred females to him and mm -hmm. and i mean he's been a big blessing to this family yeah yeah jeff's a good dude he, is. he really is he's good i i hit it off with jeff when i first started hunting with him we would be hunting in that same clubs up and down the western side of indiana and the eastern side of illinois you know and then i'd run into him at always a good time anytime we're around and Dag Gummit had a little technical error right there, but rest assured, folks, the only person that was left talking on that thing was me, and you hear from me all the time. Make sure you're checking out all of the Houndsman XP episodes all week long. We release Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We've got everything from The Truth with Steve Burkholder. Wednesdays is The uh, Journey with Heath Hyatt, and Lauren and Seth are throwing it in there with an episode called All Mixed Up. We appreciate you. Make sure you're following us on social media. Check us out on Go Wild. I'm running that account under my name, Chris Powell, on Go Wild, but our podcast is over there too. If you log the time that you listen to the podcast on Go Wild between now and June 30th, your name's going to go in the hat every time you listen, every time you log your time for a Dakota 283 G3 medium kennel. We're going to draw that at the beginning of July, and we're going to ship it straight to your house. All you got to do is go to Go Wild, log your time. Your name goes in the hat every time you do that. Till next time, folks, you follow your hounds, and I'll follow mine. <laughs>